Hello and welcome to episode number 479 of Holy Crap It's Sports for a Monday, August 29, 2022. A beautiful day out there in the 80s here at the Sandy Springs Podcast Center and Laundromat. And if you listen carefully, yes, the dryer is going on in the background. Anyway, hope everybody had a great weekend there. And let's get into it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, go to Pete Davis one Write me at PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. Uh, let's see... What else we got? Oh, t-shirts, farmhouseprintingco.com. If you like a Holy Crap at Sports t-shirt, Drank Up Shriners, or Kimmer Show t-shirt, Shannon Burt, whatever you want. And in fact, if you send them uh, photos, they'll put it on t-shirts and tumblers and mugs and whatever you have, farmhouseprintingco.com. Plus, if you like the show, you like uh, the effort put behind it, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Just look up Holy Crap at Sports, just asking for two or three bucks a month. Really, really appreciate it. Headlines for Monday, August 29th, the 2022. The Braves fall to their arch rivals in St. Louis. Get it, arch rivals. Uh, Rory McIlroy takes charge of the Tour Championship and the PGA Tour. And Eastlake looked incredible. College football begins. Prediction for the Georgia-Oregon game. Southeastern Conference power rankings. The Volunteers Athletic Director trolls Auburn. Nebraska can't win a close one in free beer in Ireland. Who thought that was a good idea? Well, it was. Big games coming up this weekend. we got Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreet picking who wins the national title. Uh, by the way, Herbstreet had some blood clot problems in the offseason, and uh, he says he's doing fine now, so that's good news. Uh, by the way, has Desmond Howard lost his damn mind again? And what the heck was Fox 5 here in Atlanta thinking Saturday? The Falcons win their final preseason game, and you know your season is off to a bad start when the mascot goes down with a knee injury. America wins the Little League World Series, a baseball card worth $12 million, a former Hawks player is injured, and Kyrie and Kevin Durant have patched up their differences. Aww. Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, birthdays, all this stuff coming up. The printer starting to fade here. It's going to be interesting toward the end of this, but whatever. Braves were one inning from winning two out of three against the Cardinals, but Kenley Jansen blowed the save Saturday night, and they lost. They got doubled up 6-3 to three on Sunday night. So they're now three games behind the Mets, who lost at home to the Rockies, one nothing yesterday. Dansby Swanson gave him a seventh-inning lead with a homer on Sunday, but A.J. Minter got roughed up for four runs. Braves are off today, which is Monday, before Colorado comes to Truist Park. Ronald Acuna Jr. did not play with soreness in his knee yesterday. He hopes to be back tomorrow, and Ozzie Albies to begin his rehab stint next week from his broken foot. This cough button actually works. MLB power rankings have the Dodgers first, then the Mets and Astros. The Braves are fourth, followed by the Yankees. The MLB Players Association is trying to unionize minor league ball players. What do you think about that? Just a matter of time. For a week and a half of the Little League World Series, no team came close to Hawaii. The championship Sunday, no different. They got back-to-back homers from Kakeo Payanal and Kama Angel in the first inning and sparking a 13-3 win in just four innings over Curacao in the championship game. The LLWS title, Hawaii's fourth. It won four years ago, and this same Honolulu team finished third last year when the China virus travel restrictions prevented international teams from participating. So how good was uh, Hawaii? In six games, all wins, the closest margin was four runs to them. Hawaii outscored their opponents 60-5. to Wow. College football news. Some great games in the next week, and here are some of the big ones. On Thursday night, you have West Virginia Pitt. That's, you know, that's a backyard brawl, isn't it? Central Michigan against Oklahoma State. Ball State against Tennessee. VMI against Wake Forest. You got La Tech taking on Missouri. Penn State against Purdue. And New Mexico State against Minnesota. <clears throat> on Friday, you got Western Michigan, Michigan State, and Illinois, Indiana. And on Saturday, well, that brings you uh, North Carolina, App State, Sam Houston, Texas A&M, NC State, ECU, Colorado State against Michigan, UTEP against Oklahoma, and Brent Venable's debut as the Sooners head coach, North Dakota, Nebraska. That'll be interesting to see if the Cornhuskers can rebound from that hard loss in Ireland. Cincy at Arkansas. Both are ranked, by the way. Bethune-Cookman against the Hurricanes. BYU versus USF. That's South Florida. Troy against Ole Miss. Rice visits Southern Cal as Lincoln Riley takes over. Morgan State at Georgia Southern. Elon versus Vandy. 
coming off that big win Vandy is in Hawaii. Albany against Baylor. Illinois against, uh, no, Illinois State, sorry, against Wisconsin. You got Miami of Ohio playing Kentucky. Utah playing Florida. Mercer against Auburn. Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Wow. Georgia State takes on South Carolina. And by the way, that's no walkover. Uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, Memphis, I'll tell you later why. Memphis plays Mississippi State, Utah State against Alabama, and La Monroe against Texas. That's all on Saturday. And, of course, the Ducks versus the Bulldogs here in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta this weekend. On Sunday, you got Florida State at LSU. And on Monday, Clemson visits Georgia Tech. Quite a lineup to start the first big weekend of college football here. Everybody's you know, pretty much playing on this, this weekend as opposed to last weekend. Sorry, going to take a sip here. What are we doing today? What are we drinking here? Let's just drink some Captain Morgan Spice rum. Let's just do that. This is a Monday one up. Uh, Diego the Sea Lion at the Georgia Aquarium has chosen Georgia to beat Oregon. But he also chose the Yellow Jackets to upset Clemson. So obviously he is into the fermented sardines, I believe. Uh, Georgia football has only played Oregon one time in the past. Georgia won the 1977 game between the Dogs and Ducks by a score of 27-16. to 16. And poor Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers already have a loss after blowing a double-digit lead in Dublin, Ireland and falling to Northwestern. Frost attempted an onside kick that failed and gave the Wildcats field position and the momentum. The Huskers are now 5-21 and in one-score games. They're the first Power 5 team to lose nine straight one-score games since Iowa State did it from 2014 to 16. But they did win the Battle of the Dublin Pubs. They took it over. It was like 80-20 over their Husker fans. By the way, that Aviva Stadium in Dublin is absolutely gorgeous. Looks like the Crystal Cathedral. Remember that thing? Or like they're playing ball in a giant transparent fishbowl. It's amazing the game was even played considering the stadium gave up a free beer for two hours during the game. That's right. Free beer in Ireland. Uh, free Guinness beers, by the way, too. The problem was with the payment provider and not with the stadium's internet connection. According to Sum Up, which is providing that, they said due to technical issues, we are unable to process card transactions for two hours at the stadium. Huh, they also do English Premier League soccer clubs, so it's not some fly-by-night uh, thing. They did not give an estimate of lost revenue. Ronan McGowan got three or four plastic cups of Guinness, but it took 40 minutes and I missed the game. Not good. In fairness, most people didn't have cash. They did the right thing under the circumstances. Can you imagine? You fly over there, and I found this back in the 90s. It was easier just to walk around with an American Express card and use it everywhere because it automatically converted. Uh, to whatever the exchange rate was, you didn't have to walk around. You, you know, you've got some British pounds and money to walk around with for street stuff. But when you're going over to a stadium, you don't think you need to get uh, Irish, whatever, Irish dollars or whatever. In fact, uh, they probably on the euro. Alexa, what's the currency in Ireland? One IF is about one U.S. dollar and 26 cents. One what? I have no idea what she said. Who cares? Anyway, uh, let's see what else we got here on this Ireland thing. Uh, McGowan said people were also ordering a lot of drinks, which slowed everything down. Well, no crap. A Nebraska fan, Elena Kuyper, was already in line when she realized the beer was free. Said news travels fast. <laughs> Her husband, Scott, said a man sitting next to him moved quickly. He took off right away and went up there to get one. Get one? He got several. I'm surprised the entire city of Dublin didn't show up claiming to be Cornhusker fans. And what the heck, Fox 5, the first big game of the college football season, and you cut away at halftime to show not a Falcons preseason game, but a Falcons preseason pregame show? Then they told you if you wanted to keep watching the college football game between the Huskers and uh, Northwestern, you had to find something called 5.3 Buzzer, B-U-Z-Z-R. What the hell is that? Some sort of former KGB code for a station in Siberia? Is it a ham radio address? I had no idea what 5.3 buzzer was. I finally found the game again on Fox Deportes because I got U-verse. I got a friend who had Xfinity and she couldn't find it again. Uh, SOL, not very well handled by Fox 5. And by the way, the Fox Deportes announcers were much more entertaining. It's kind of like the old George Carlin thing. When he was growing up in the 40s and 50s, he'd listen to the Yankees games on the radio. And he listened to the Spanish one. I'm 
not making fun of Spanish. I just can't speak it well enough to do whole sentences like this. Pepsi Cola. Well, at the very end of that great play, I don't know if you saw it, but a Nebraska quarterback, and get this, he's not named Martinez after 10 years. The Nebraska quarterback just scrambled around and threw a great pass downfield, and the answers got more and more excited. Super duper play. Fantastic. Uh, Saturday Down South has their first SEC power rankings out, as compiled by Mr. Adam Spencer. He does a great job. Let me take a sip here. These, I'm going to make some comments on this. This is a SDS's uh, list for the first week. They'll have one next week. Number 14, uh, Vanderbilt. Going to be another long year at Vandy. This team hasn't won an SEC contest since 2019, and don't see that changing this year barring a major upset at Mizzou October 22nd or South Carolina November 5th. That doesn't mean it'll be another terrible year for the Commodores, though, as there's a real chance Clark Lee's squad could go 4-0 in non-conference play. Win at Hawaii, which they did. They fell behind early, and then they crushed them. And, uh, and they could win this week. There's a 2-0 start. Like I said, I think they're playing Elon. In week two, number 22, Wake Forest, comes to Nashville, but will almost certainly be without star quarterback Sam Hartman, who's out with a non-football-related medical issue. Week three, trip to Northern Illinois will be difficult, but it's a game an SEC squad should win. So give me the Commodores taking a step forward this year and picking up maybe three or four wins. Number 13, Missouri. That's kind of surprising. They're riding with Brady Cook as a starting quarterback. That's a big decision for Coach Eli Drinkwitz. The Tigers tried to land JT Daniels, Jaden Daniels, Gary Bohannon, and others in the transfer portal, but didn't get any of them. The Tigers also have a talented offensive line and receiving core, the latter featuring five-star freshman Luther Burden and former Ohio State receiver Mookie Cooper. That duo, combined with Dominic Lovett, Toski Dove, and Barrett Bannister, Barrett Bannister, private dick. That's, that's a great name. Could be a real strength for the Tigers if the QB situation is solid and Cook can get the ball to them. Defensively, the Tigers can't be much worse against the run. That's not a compliment. That's a fact. We'll see if the transfers that Eli brought in and the switch to Blake Baker. There's another great name, Blake Baker. As defensive coordinator pays off, if all goes well, it could be a 7-5 and five team. Uh, number 12, Auburn. Gosh, Auburn's number 12. T.J. Finley, Zach Calzada, and Robbie Ashford battled in and out for the title of quarterback one, and it looks like Finley has won the gig for the start of the season. The defense, as always, has playmakers, including edge rusher Derek Hall. The backfield is perhaps the best tandem in the conference, and Tank Bigsby and Jacquez Hunter, Jarquez, I think, uh, tight end John Samuel Schinker, had a breakout year in 2021. There are questions about quarterback and receiver. But in today's college football, those are two very concerning areas to have question marks about entering a season. We'll see if the Tigers can overcome it. The good news, they have plenty of home cooking to start the year as their first game away from Jordan-Hare Stadium is not until October 8th, but it's at Georgia. Number 11 is Florida. Man, this is rare that you're going to have Florida and Auburn in the same year this low. Uh, Gators fans aren't used to seeing their team down in the double digits, uh, while Spencer, uh, Mr. Adam Spencer, likes the uh, Billy Napier hire, believes the Gators will be back and competing with Georgia for the SEC East title sooner rather than later. This is going to be a rough one in Gainesville. Anthony Richardson, a dynamic QB. There's plenty of talent on this roster, including a pair of guys that Napier brought over from Louisiana. Offensive lineman uh, Osiris Torrance and running back Montreal Johnson Jr. Defenders like D.L. Gervon Dexter and linebacker Ventrell Miller and others. But a week one home game against Utah is tough. Kentucky coming to the swamp in week two is also a tricky early season game. More on Kentucky coming up. And a road trip to Rocky Top to play Tennessee week four won't be easy as it might have been a couple of years ago. There's going to be growing pains to start the Napier era. Number 10, you got Mississippi State. By the way, let me see who just called on the old phone here, see if there was something important. Nah. Uh, Mississippi State is ranked 10th in the uh, power rankings of Saturday Down South. It's the team uh, he's not sure what to do with. The Bulldogs have a great quarterback in Will Rogers, and the defense should be fine under defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. But losing top 10 draft pick Charles Cross on the offensive line is going to hurt. Rodgers doesn't hold the ball for very long in Mike Leach's air raid offense, so perhaps they can mitigate the lack of an elite left tackle. But without Makai Polk, who led the SEC with 105 catches last year for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns, the offense could take a step back. 
And, well, they always figure it out by the end with his teams. We'll learn a lot about this team in the first three weeks. Home versus Memphis at Arizona. Well, that's nothing. And at LSU, that is something. Number nine, you got South Carolina. The Gamecocks exceeded expectations, went 7-6 and six in Shane Beamer's first season. They added quarterback Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, tight end Austin Stogner, also from the Sooners, running back Christian Bill Smith from Wake, and receiver Corey Rucker from Arkansas State, and another receiver Antoine Wells Jr. from James Madison, all from the transfer portal. Still, the East got a lot better this year, so while the team has the potential to go 8-4 or 9-3, a fourth-place finish in the division is a real possibility for 20. 22. More of the spiced rum here. Cut with a little Coke. Number eight, LSU. Still needs to decide between Jaden Daniels and Garrett Neusmeyer as the starting QB. Then it needs to find some playmakers uh, along with star receiver Keishon Butte. Not worried about that second part as LSU churns out great receivers every year. But a bit concerned about the defense. Losing Eli Ricks to Bama will hurt the secondary big. Trust Brian Kelly to have success in Baton Rouge. He's had plenty of success everywhere he's been before. But not sure year one will be a great one for Kelly and the Tigers. Number seven, right smack dab in the middle, Arkansas. The Hogs 9-4 last year. They won a bowl game. A huge step in the right direction for Sam Pittman and his squad. But as always the case, it seems Arkansas has a brutally tough schedule once again. Like the offense with quarterback K.J. Jefferson, that's going to be good. Receiver Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma, a potential breakout star. The D will be strong with Jalen Catalan coming back from injury. But they host number three Cincinnati, number 23 Cincinnati to start the year. They play number six Texas A&M in a neutral site game September 24th. Then they host number one Alabama the next weekend. Wow, that's two in a row. They travel to number 25 BYU October 15th, the week after heading to Mississippi State. A brutal stretch of games, and things don't get much easier in the back half of the season. Number six, Ole Miss. Yes, there's been a lot of turnover there, and yes, Lane Kiffin had to replace both coordinators this offseason, but he's done a pretty good job on both sides of the ball in the transfer portal. Jordan Watkins and Malik Heath will be welcome additions to the receiving core. Tight end Michael Trigg should also be an impact player. Then there's the running backs room, which added Zach Evans from Texas Christian and Ulysses Bentley IV, Ulysses Bentley IV from Southern Methodist. Uh, well, we got the Christians and the Methodists coming east. Those guys have the talent to be a top running back tandem in the SEC. Well, Auburn's got a pretty good one, too. The Rebels won 10 games in the regular season last year for the first time ever. That's the ceiling for this year's team, too. I don't think they're going to get there, no matter how good the uh, quarterback's going to be, the Jackson Dart or whatever, and the backup Altmaier. Uh, they're not Matt Corral yet. So I think the, the Rebels, if they win eight games, I'll be very happy. Very happy, but they'll probably only win seven. Number five, Kentucky. The Wildcats would be higher up on the list if there was clarity on the Chris Rodriguez suspension situation. If he misses week two at Florida, that's a huge absence for the Kentucky offense and don't know if the Wildcats can overcome it. There's also questions about the receiving core surrounding quarterback Will Levis, which I I like that kid, but the defense should be solid and Mark Stoops has proven he can get the most out of his teams. Trust the Wildcats to be a top three team in the SEC East. Number four, Texas A&M. The Aggies have talent all over. Safety Antonio Johnson, a 2023 NFL draft first-round pick, projected. Offensive lineman Layden Robinson will also be in that conversation. Freshman wide receiver Evan Stewart will get first-round buzz in a few years. Not sold on the quarterbacks, though. Haynes King is coming off a severe ankle injury suffered in week two of last year, and he's been named the starter. Max Johnson, a transfer from LSU in his 24th year in college football, is solid, but can he be the quarterback of a college football playoff caliber team? Well, right now it's King. The Aggies will be under pressure at the very least to get to 10 wins in the regular season. Can they accomplish that task? We'll find out soon enough. Number three, Tennessee. Really high on the Vols this year. Love the continuity on offense. Quarterback Hendon Hooker, running back Jabari Small, and receiver Cedric Tillman all returning. The coaching staff largely intact. Josh Heupel and both coordinators coming back. That matters. So does having one of the most dynamic offenses in all of college football. The D has some holes, but the schedule is manageable. The momentum is there for the Vols to challenge for 10 wins this year. I think if they get to win, they'll be nine. They'll be very happy. Number two, Georgia. No, this Georgia team is not as good as last year. 
But that doesn't really matter when you consider the talent this roster has from top to bottom. Even after losing five first-round picks on D, there are three players who are potential first-round talents on this year's defense. Defensive lineman Jalen Carter, linebacker Nolan Smith, and cornerback Kaylee Ringo. That's a great name. If the offense can take a step forward under quarterback Stetson Bennett this fall, the Bulldogs should once again find their way to the college football playoff with a chance to repeat as champions. But not according to ESPN's game day. We'll get to that in a little bit. Number one, of course, for Saturday down south in the power rankings in week one, Bama. Without question, the Tide enters the season the top team. Will they stay on that spot all year? Won't be easy, but it's a team with reigning Heisman winner Bryce Young, elite edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. getting a lot of talk for Heisman, and the greatest of all time, Nick Saban. The Tide have continuity at both uh, coordinator spots. Great for an Alabama team that normally has multiple assistants poached every offseason. And some key transfer portal additions, Jameer Gibbs, Jermaine Burton, Tyler Steen, Tyler Harrell, Eli Ricks, make this a very formidable roster top to bottom. There are questions about the O-line, but the Tide should be able to overcome those, especially early in the season. Bryce Young can scramble. This is the number one team not only in the Southeastern Conference, but in the entire country as well. So there you have it. Uh, the power rankings for game week one. Sorry. Meanwhile, the Vols athletic director is trolling Auburn. <laughs> Auburn AD Alan Green stepped down from his role Friday, bringing it into a tumultuous four-year tenure with the school. Uh, Green had just five months remaining on his contract and had asked for clarity on his deal. And when he was told that the university planned to wait until the football season was over to make a decision, he said, I'm out of here. With Green now out, Tennessee athletic director Danny White congratulated his peer on getting out of a rather bizarre situation tweeting, congratulations for getting the heck out of a crazy situation for greener pastures. I admire how you manage that chaos with class and integrity. Integrity. Look forward to seeing your next chapter, end quote. Green oversaw his fair share of success during his stint as the AD at Auburn, two College World Series appearances in baseball, a Final Four berth in men's basketball, and the beginning of construction of a $92 million football facility. However, Tenure also marred by issues with the football program that have been persisting since the firing of coach Gus Malzahn after the 2020 season. Brian Harson hired to fill the vacancy, but eventually found himself at the center of an inquiry into the program this offseason. The investigation, Harson called uncomfortable and unfounded, has left a cloud over the team that has seen over 20 players and five coaches leave the program since the inquiry unfolded. It's not going well right now over there. Green was hired by Auburn out of Buffalo in January of 2018, the school's first black athletic director. He's a former Notre Dame baseball player, also had a brief stint as assistant athletic director at Ole Miss. The inmates are once again running the asylum over on the plains. Both Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreet of ESPN's College Game Day have the exact same matchup in the national championship game in their predictions. Both say Ohio State will beat Alabama. Meanwhile, Desmond Howard gave a playoff prediction of, get this, Michigan, of course, Texas A&M, Baylor, no, that's a, don't, don't be looking down at Baylor, and Pittsburgh, they just lost their quarter, Kenny Pickett. Of those four squads, none are projected to win their conferences titles, let alone compete for a national championship. <laughs> Obviously, the mushrooms are in season wherever Desmond is grazing. Now, there's no – I think Michigan played over its head last year. A&M should be in the national championship with all the bragging and the recruiting and the payments and all that. I don't mind Baylor as being a surprise, even though not much of a surprise. That's a, that Randa's a great coach. But Pittsburgh, you're insane. Eastern Kentucky head coach Walt Wells in intensive care in a Lexington, Kentucky hospital had a cardiac episode while he was at work Sunday morning. Eastern Kentucky, an FCS program. The Colonels are scheduled to open the season Friday night at Eastern Michigan. Wells is in stable condition. So thoughts and prayers going out to him and his family. Check out the quarterback for Western Kentucky when you get a chance. His name is Reed, and he threw for 6,000 yards last season. He's got an arm. And how weird is it seeing former Falcons head coach Jim Mora Jr. on the sidelines for UConn? What a strange fellow he is. I remember the Falcons hired him. And we went out to um, – uh, me and the great Miller Pope went out there. I, I don't know if they had moved out of, to Flowery Branch yet or not. I think they had. But we, we went out there for his introductory uh, news conference, and he spoke for a while. I remember looking at Miller going, I don't know about this one. 
and I was correct. Former Bama running back Brian Robinson doing well in a Washington, D.C. hospital after being shot multiple times in the legs during either a robbery or carjacking incident in the district. By the way, there's, a, there's something on TMZ and other places. They show him sitting on the ground. He's sitting up talking after he was shot a few times. I don't know exactly how many. And he's wearing nothing but shorts. Guess it was hot there. Robinson now on the commander's NFL team. Too bad we no longer have Mike Brooks here to tell us exactly where the shooting occurred. Well, it was something there, you know, by 8th Street, uh, connects with N Street down there by the diner. Mike, Mike knew every inch of the district. It was amazing. By the way, uh, at this point, no one's been arrested. So hopefully they've found the gun, though. Thank God. Because uh, it's always, you know, the gun did all the work. It wasn't the people behind the gun. Uh, guess which SEC team has the longest winning streak going into this season? Think about it while I take a sip. Yeah, this will win you some money in a bar. According to Brett McMurphy of CBSSports.com, the longest current winning streaks in the country in college football, Clemson has six games in a row they've won. Baylor has five. Central Michigan has five. And then at, uh, with four wins in a row, you got Air Force – Georgia State, Tulsa, Utah State going into Alabama. And the number one SEC winning streak right now is Kentucky at four games. Uh, Coastal Carolina, Fresno State, Minnesota, Purdue, Central Florida, and UCLA have won three in a row. That'll win you some money. NFL news. The Falcons win their final preseason tilt over Jacksonville 28-12 in the Benz. The Jaguars came out strong, but the Falcons were just toying with them. Desmond Ritter had some hiccups, like an interception early on, but he played well afterwards. Running back Caleb Huntley finally showed up in the second half with some good runs. I still like Tyler Algier more. Meanwhile, both BroBible.com and Pro Football Focus are saying that the Falcons have a quarterback controversy on their hands already after watching Ritter play well this preseason. Do you really think Mariota is going to be the starter by halfway point? Only if they're winning. The Ravens have high hopes this season, but will be flying without their mascot, Poe, P-O-E, after Edgar Allan Poe. He's a big raven. Uh, or at least until they convince another young person to don the raven costume. Poe was playing football with a bunch of kids before their game and somehow managed to hurt his bird leg. He literally had to be carried off the field on a cart. You can see in the video that some people thought it was all a joke, like something a Philly fanatic would do. Just a few fans can be seen clapping for the poor fallen bird as he was carted off. I wonder if he was able to give a thumbs up with his big feathered hand or wing. Birds don't have hands. Clams have hands and legs. This opposed to what the Braves mascot did during the Falcons game. Uh, Blooper and other local mascots were playing kids in a pickup game of football when Blooper took the ball, went around left end, and stiff-armed his way through the youths like they were bowling pins. His stiff arm would have made Bronco Nagurski or Larry Zonka proud. The video has gone viral. No word if any of the children were carted off after the mascot ran amok, amok, amok. It is pretty damn funny. He just goes right through them. Uh, let's see. A lot of people are commenting about how Tom Brady looked upon returning from his absence from training camp. Well, he looked disheveled. And as one fan put it, looked like a mad scientist. Looked like Lyle Lovett was doing his hair or a racer head. Brady said he's 45 years old and there's a lot of shit going on in his life. That was his quote. Rut row. Tell you the truth, I think he's come, he stayed a year too long. I really do. I think he's got, I think his wife's not happy with him uh, for doing this, changing his mind. Uh, Gronk, Gronk has still changed his mind and come back at some point, but I don't think he will. And so he's going to be without Gronk, his safety blanket. I don't know, man. Golf news. Six shots behind uh, before the Tour Championship started. Ten shots back after two holes. Rory McIlroy rallied from a six-shot deficit in the final round against the number one player in the world and closed with a four-under 66 to begin the first three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. Scott Scheffler took the role of Greg Norman at the Masters by blowing the huge lead, and you had to feel sorry for him. He's a good guy, as he watched 18 million American dollars take off down Glenwood Avenue. <laughs> McElroy has put his money where his mouth is this season and has become the undisputed leader of the PGA Tour, working alongside Tiger Woods to save the sinking ship. And Eastlake looked absolutely beautiful, didn't it? Perfect blue skies, puffy white clouds overhead, the fairways and greens and emerald green. It looked amazing. 
And surprisingly, I heard not one police, ambulance, or fire engine siren the entire time. I had my drink ready for the drinking game. Not one thing. But uh, McElroy was amazing. Of course, he was trying to blow it too. But unlike the British Open where he couldn't sink a putt, he was sinking some long ones. Uh, yesterday. Major League Baseball news. After a month of fanfare, the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card with a 9.5 grade, the finest known example of the 52 Topps Mantle, sold at Heritage Auctions for $12.6 million, including the buyer's premium, the most ever paid for any sports item, card, or memorabilia. The previous record for a card was $7.2 million earlier this month by the T206 Honus Wagner card. A big night for Heritage and game-used uh, stuff, too. In the same auction, a game-used around 1918-22 autographed Babe Ruth signature model Hillerich and Bradsby bat sold for $1.68 million, uh, breaking the record for most expensive bat of all time. Uh, the previous one was also a Ruth in 2004. Uh, the bat he used to hit the first-ever home run at Yankee Stadium fetched over a million at Sotheby's. Speaking of the Yankees, closer Araldus Chapman is sidelined after a leg tattoo got infected in San Francisco. Insert your own jokes here. NBA news. Celtics forward Danilo Gallinari diagnosed with a torn meniscus after suffering an apparent knee injury in Italy's FIBA World Cup qualifying game against Georgia. That's the uh, former Soviet thing, Georgia. On Saturday, Gallinari did not sustain any damage to his ACL or ligament damage, thank goodness. The team did not provide a recovery timeline. He's 34 years old, but he will miss next month's Eurobasket tournament. Gallinari signed a two-year deal uh, with the Celtics in free agency in July after spending the last two seasons with Atlanta. He's expected to be a crucial death piece, death, depth piece for Boston. Uh, hey, Danilo, what? As the team looks for a return to the NBA Finals. That was not funny, and I already apologized. A first-round draft pick by the Knickerbockers in 08. He's journeyed around the league. The Italian forward has averaged over 15 points and almost five rebounds in stints with the Knickerbockers, Nuggets, Clippers, Thunder, and Hawks. Meanwhile, the Onion has a pretty interesting story. The cloud that hung over Brooklyn Nets' upcoming season amid tensions between their star players seemingly lifted. Uh, reports that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have agreed to remain teammates so long as they never have to be in the same room together. They're both incredibly talented players, so naturally we're glad that Kevin has rescinded his trade demands so long as he and Kyrie never have to lay eyes on each other, said the team's GM, Sean Marks, adding that the organization was happy to accommodate the two stars' request that they never be required to speak to one another or be present in the Barclays Center at the same time. We're really pleased that KD and Kyrie settled their differences for the good of the team. We're excited to see one or the other of them on the court this season. This is a business, and we don't need everyone on the team to be buddy-buddy. Although they won't be anywhere physically near each other, we're glad to have them both on the squad. Marks added the team also reached an understanding with the team's third star, Ben Simmons, confirming that he would never be asked to be in the same room as either Durant or Irving. On this day, August 29th in sports history, 1885. We take you to 1885. Suddenly, I'm Stu Kleitinik. We take you to 1885. I'm just stipulating as I do this. Boxing's first heavyweight title fight with three-ounce gloves and three-minute rounds fought between John L. Sullivan and Dominic McCaffrey. They don't say who won. 1920, an American sweep of the medals in the men's 100-meter freestyle at the Antwerp Olympics. Duke Kananamoku set the world record um, 1.00.4 in defending his 1912 gold medal. Birthdays, August 29th, that you share with these reprobates. 1929, Wendell Scott, all-eraser, the first black driver to win a race at NASCAR's uh, highest level, the Jacksonville 200 in 1963. Born in Danville, Virginia, he died in 1990. 1945, Wyoming Tyus. American 100-meter runner, uh, won the Olympic gold in 1964 and 68, was born here in Griffin, Georgia. 1946, Bob Beeman, track and field long jumper, won Olympic gold in 68, uh, born in South Jamaica, Queens, New York. 1947, I'm going to take a sip before I talk about this guy. His name is James Hunt, Hunt, James Hunt, and he was close to a Bond character. Uh, James Hunt was born in four, 1947. English all racer was a Formula One World Drivers Champion uh, back in a long time ago. Born in Belmont, Surrey, England, died in 1993. His rivalry with Nicky Lauda, portrayed in the film Rush by Chris Hemsworth, 
uh, the actor, died of a heart attack. He was only 45 years old. Uh, at one point, one of, I think he was married twice and engaged three times. One of his wives left him for actor Richard Burton, and she was good looking. I forget her name. Susie Hunt. Well, last name would be Hunt for a while there, wouldn't it? Anyway, Nicky Lotta said, quote, Hunt was one of the very few people uh, I liked, a smaller number I respected, and the only one I envied. Uh, people say that's pretty good. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of that on a plane of Rush, and it looked pretty good, uh, the rivalry, and they, they ended up uh, liking each other a little bit. 1971, Henry Blanco was born, a Venezuelan player born in Caracas. He was an Atlanta Brave in 2002 and, and three. Had seven homers and 35 RBIs. He's kind of like an Eddie Perez type. Uh, 1977, and I said it because he was very solid behind the plate. Not flashy, but solid. 1977, Roy Oswalt was born in Weir, Mississippi. W-E-I-R. Weir, Mississippi. I think a weir is a little basket that you use to catch fish in a stream, I think. Anyway, I think he does some stuff for the MLB Network. Don't, well, no, that's Jake Peavy. I always get Oswalt and Jake Peavy mixed up. Dead People, August 29th, 1891, Pierre Lallemand, inventor of the bicycle. Uh, let's see, 1965, Paul Wehner. He was big poison, Hall of Fame right fielder, National League MVP in 1927, also the batting champion in the senior circuit in 27, 34, and 36, an all-star in the 30s for the Pirates, dead at the age of 62. Uh, 2007, Sadly, Richard Jewell passed away, the security guard, central figure in the 1996 Centennial Olympic Park Atlanta bombing, died of kidney failure at 44, probably brought on from all the stress that he went through when the FBI tried to basically finger him as the Olympic Park bomber, because that was much easier than actually doing the hard work and actually getting Eric Robert Rudolph, who was still available to try and blow people up up in the North Georgia mountains. And they, they and the Atlanta media, I believe the General Constitution was also basically pretty much saying he was guilty. I think he won money from them later or sued them. Uh, it was absolute, it, it just showed back in the 90s how the media with the government and their inside sources could basically railroad an innocent man to death. Richard Jewell was a hero. Uh, that movie that Clint Eastwood did shows that he was Sam Rockwell was in the movie and all that. Richard Jewell was a hero that saved people's lives. My family was down there next to that bench just a few hours earlier. I was down there doing my show in front of the tabernacle. We heard the bomb go off. And the FBI pretty much almost immediately fingered him as the prime suspect and just pretty much he's guilty. And the media jumped on top. Well, the, the government says he's guilty, so therefore he's guilty. That was back in the 90s. It's amazing. Watch the movie. In 2020, Clifford Robinson passed away. Uh, he was NBA All-Star in the 90s. Sixth Man of the Year Award in 93. Played for the Suns and Trailblazers. Died from lymphoma. He was just 53 years old. A wedding on August 29th, 2009. Uh, Broncos quarterback, he was retired. John Elway was 49. He married a former Oakland Raiders cheerleader by the name of Paige Green, who was a little younger than him, I believe. And Which, there's no problem with that. All right, here we see to Pete's tweets. Let's go. Okay, I was watching the Austin P game over the weekend. Who the hell were they playing? They were playing Western Kentucky, and they, they played very well. Uh, I did First of all, I didn't know that Austin P was called the Governors. I did not know that. Uh, they are 1-29 all-time against FBS opponents. The only time they ever won, they beat Kansas State in 1987. <laughs> Poor bastards. Why am I? Why did I record that? That's not good. Oh, at one point, let me see if I can pull this up for you. Randy Cross said something very funny. Let's see if this is it. You should. You should just eat it. Put your favorite condom on. A condiment on that football. What? Cross. Put your favorite condom on and just eat it. Randy Cross. I used to work with Randy Cross. He's he's a good guy. Uh, he did a show every now and then on w, uh, WGST there back in the 90s all right all right we've seen oh oh here's this other play let me, let me show you this is one i was talking about earlier the um, fox deportes call of the nebraska game let me play this for you here as soon as i rewind it now it's arguing with me yeah okay here we go
big super duper big play all right what else we got here uh same faces new places according to uh i think it was cbs who put this out yeah cbs sports uh, notable quarterback transfers southern cal has now caleb williams lsu Jaden daniels oregon bo Nix, remember him at auburn uh gamecocks have spencer rattler pitt has kidon slovis ole miss has jackson dart and uh i think troy has jarrett doge 67 fbs quarterbacks change schools in the offseason that's what that's more than half uh herb street just went off on the nil thing saying look this was supposed to be for guys like bryce young who have already shown there's something and their worth and they should get rewarded for it this should not be okay i went to uh tennessee this week and they offered me this now i'm going to go to mississippi state next week and see what they offer me that's not what this is supposed to be designed for this is why congress unfortunately is probably going to have to step in and it's going to get weird oh to us uh espn doing espn does they had a chiron on it says uh what is brian harson's status at nebraska I don't think he has one, considering that Scott Frost is at Nebraska and Brian Harson is at um, Auburn for the time being. Sports-wise, that's not sports. I don't know if you've seen it. I posted it over the weekend. You can follow me, Pete Davis1, on Twitter. Duke's Real Mayonnaise. And here's a full confession, and this will drive you crazy. I know it will. I can't tell the damn difference between Duke's or Blue Plate or Kroger or some Bob's mayonnaise you get off the vendor on the street. I can't taste the damn difference. In fact, I don't know the damn difference between Miracle Whip and mayonnaise. I, can't, I just slather it on a piece of bread, put some peanut butter on the other slice of bread, and eat me a peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich, and I, that's all I know. But Duke's has got a new mascot. It looks like you slapped... Uh, Bert's eyebrows from Sesame Street. You know, Bert and Ernie. Hey, Bert. Uh, Ernie, get out of my bed. Uh, they took Bert's eyebrows and slapped it on a toilet paper roll and then put Ronald McDonald's legs on the bottom of it. I'm not kidding. The pants are yellow, the same yellow as McDonald's, and they had the same red for his shoes as McDonald's. And his arms look like rolled up joints. I'm not kidding. And that's their mascot. It is nightmare fuel. It really is. Buck Lanford of Fox 5 here in Atlanta uh, had a little uh, quote from Roy McElroy. What did he say to Scotty Scheffler after the win yesterday? I told him we're, all, we're one all in Georgia this year. He got the Masters, and I got this. Now, the Masters, that's a pretty good payoff. What's that, $6 million? Let me ask. Alexa, how much money does the winner of the Masters get? Here's something I found on the web. Okay. According to wikipedia.org, uh-huh. the total prize money for the 2021 Masters tournament was $11,500,000 with $2,070,000 going to the winner. 2 million. Okay, that's a good payday. Can you imagine playing a round of golf yesterday and what it came down to with the final hole? Came down to the 18th hole. 12 million dollar hole. If you win the hole, you, you get $12 million, 18 overall. But if you lose, you only got, uh, I think, gosh, what was the second place? It was, winner was 18, second place was like eight, something like 7.5 or something like that. Still a nice day at work. But you're playing a whole of golf for $12 million. So there's no, you see why he hit the tent. McElroy did <laughs> and Scheffler put it in the bunker and uh, McElroy hit the tent they were playing for 18 million dollars on the final hole that's what's what the winner got unbelievable uh, and that's it for Pete's tweets all right let's go to this date in baseball history I'm gonna take a sip before we do this it's a stretch run baby no stopping us now uh, today in baseball history 1925 after a night on the town babe ruth showed up late for batting practice manager miller huggins of the yankees suspended ruth and slapped a five thousand dollar fine on him big money in 25 1930 the boston braves beat the phillies nine to eight and eleven in the game rabbit marinville is thrown out while trying to steal second in the fourth inning he argues until the phillies fresco thompson tires of the argument picks him up and carries him to his position at shortstop <laughs> 
1939. Weeby sponsors the first telecast of a baseball game when their ads air during the Ebbets Field Contest between the Reds and the Dodgers. It's available only in New York City, where only 500 people had TV sets at the time. 1948, Jackie Robinson hit for the backward cycle, homered in the first inning, tripled in the fourth, doubled in the sixth, completed the rare event with a single in the eighth. Had 10 total bases, drove in two runs, scored three times, and stole a base, helping Brooklyn beat the Cardinals at Sportsman's Park 12-7. He was good. He was good. Uh, let's see. Gosh, I'm hungry. Uh, my, I don't, you can't hear my stomach growling. August 29, 1951, the Yankees send rookie hurler Lou Burdett and $50,000 to the Milwaukee Braves. I'd say it's Boston Braves at that time for 33-year-old right-hander Johnny Sane. The trade will come back to haunt the Bronx Bombers when the right-hander Burdett throws three complete game victories in the 1957 World Series, which Milwaukee won in seven. 1954, uh, the Milwaukee Braves established a new National League attendance record of 1,800,000 on their way to a season total of over 2 million. And they were gone less than 12 years later to Atlanta. 1965, Giant center fielder Willie Mays broke Ralph Kiner's record for homers in a month. The Say Hey Kid hit a moonshot off Jack Fisher for a 17th round tripper and a win over New York. The former Pirates outfielder, Kiner, now a broadcaster for the Mets, called the four-bagger, which broke the monthly mark that he established with 16 in 1949 during September. By the way, the Mets did something they should have done a long time ago, even though he only played for the Mets at the end of his career. They retired his number 24, Willie Mays over the weekend 1966 on a typically cool night at candlestick the home of the giants the beatles play their final concert ending their half hour set half hour with little richard's long tall sally the fab force performance on a five-foot stage located just behind second base surrounded by a six-foot high wire fence is less than stellar due to the ballpark's inadequate lighting poor acoustics and the group's growing disdain of doing live shows and they wouldn't do anything else until they got on the roof in london at the very end there. In 1966, August 29th, Robin Roberts, getting the Cubs' win and relief, became the first and only pitcher to beat the Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta Braves. On Independence Day 1948, the future Hall of Famer went the distance to notch his third career big league victory, beating the Boston Braves at Scheib Park in his rookie year with the Phillies. 1971, Braves outfitter Hank Aaron became the first player in the National League to drive in at least 100 runs in 11 different seasons. Wow, he had 2,297 ribbies in a 23-year Hall of Fame career, the all-time Major League mark. 1977, after four seasons and 1,382 Major League at-bats, Dwayne Kuyper hit his first and only home run when he goes deep off Steve Stone in the Indians' win over the White Sox at Cleveland Stadium. I bet Steve Kuyper, who's now broadcaster with the Giants and Stone is with the White Sox, he probably never lets him forget that. Uh, 27-year-old second baseman Kuiper comes to bat 3,379 times during a 12-year career, established the modern major league record for most career at-bats with exactly one dinger. 1977, the same day at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, 39-year-old Cardinals outfitter Lou Brock swipes his 893rd bag, breaking Ty Cobb's 49-year-old record for stolen bases. The Georgia Peach established the mark in 1928, playing for the Philadelphia A's at the age of 41. Jack Murphy is now gone. I have great memories of Jack Murphy, uh, mostly. And uh, it was basically like a better version of Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, set there in Mission Valley. It's gone now, and it's replaced with a 35,000-seat football, soccer stadium, whatever, for uh, San Diego State. The Aztecs will be opening that up this weekend, coming weekend, I believe. So I'm looking forward to what that looks like. Uh, 1985, on August 29th, Don Baylor hit by a first-inning pitch thrown by Angels hurler Kirk McCaskill. The Yankee DH has been plunked 190 times, breaking the American League record set by Minnie Minoso in 1963 with the White Sox. 1992, Charlie Liebrent records his 1,000th career strikeout, a win over the Phillies, so he rolls the ball into the Atlanta dugout as a souvenir, but he forgot to call time. Base runner Ricky Jordan is allowed to advance to second on the error. 1993, joining Hall of Famers Willie Mays and Hank Aaron, George Brett became the third player in baseball history to swipe his 200th stolen base and collect 3,000 hits and 300 home runs. The Royals' third baseman's historic heist occurs in a 12-inning victory over the Red Sox at Kauffman Stadium, KC.
2014, August 29th, Minnesota, dating back to its origins in the nation's capital, became the 16th franchise in baseball history to reach the 10,000 home run plateau. The historic dinger struck by the Twins third baseman Trevor Plouffe receives a little fanfare, being only tallied the team scores in a 9-1 loss in Baltimore. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN, on this day and National Pastime and everybody else for their help putting this uh, lovely show together today. On a Monday morning, let me go to Twitter and see if we missed anything while we were talking this morning. All right, here we go. No, that's not anything. No, that's not sports. I'm not seeing anything jumping out here, sports-wise. Adam Schefter reporting that the New York Giants have gotten trade inquiries on receiver Darius Slayton. There should be a lot of moves this week, so pay attention to your team in the NFL. There's going to be a lot of moving around and stuff. Falcons aren't through moving things around either, tell you the truth. All right, let's go over to ESPN, see if we – Got a headline or two. And da, 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 da. Here we go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, by the way, I told you about Brian Robinson getting a shot in D.C. Well, there's a player in Barcelona, a soccer player, Alba Mayang, I think you how you pronounce it, was assaulted in an armed robbery in his home. They came in with crowbars. Wow. Uh, that's not good. Uh, and the Steelers, uh, they had a couple of injuries last night, including T.J. Watt with a knee injury. Don't know how, how bad it is right now. And they also had an injury to uh, Deontay Johnson, their wide receiver. So we don't know how bad it is at the moment. And that seems to be it. Everybody have a great uh, beginning to the week. Remember, get a T-shirt, farmhouseprintingco.com. You can always go to patreon.com if you love the show. Um, bu- 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 bu. Uh, write me at Pete Davis one at yahoo.com or follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis one. And I appreciate everything. Everybody drink up Shriners.